Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I am Brian Yeager, and today is a special guest episode. We have with us a young man in the congregation who also happens to be my youngest of three children. My son, Trey Yeager, is joining us, and we're going to talk to, about the challenges that he experiences with finding a godly wife in this present uh, generation. Solomon said in Proverbs 18, 22, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. So, you know, I got a young man here that has dated and has explored the world of females and has tried to find himself a wife. So, Trey, how's that going, buddy? Uh, it's not going very well at all. Uh, haven't had much luck so far. It's very hard to find a good godly woman in this present world right now challenge right so when you think about this subject matter uh you know maybe we got some young ladies out there listening some hot honeys <laughs> maybe we got got some girls that say man i'd love to find a godly man you know so what crosses your mind you know as you think about this from a biblical perspective what do you what do you have on your mind well whenever you look at it from a biblical perspective uh, God saw that even Adam needed to help me in Genesis 2. I'll go ahead and read that. Genesis 2 is going to be 15 through 25. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to all the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, <clears throat> which the Lord God had taken from the man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is new, new, now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of a man. Thereof, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So it's odd talking into a microphone, right? Yeah, it's very... Just sitting here in the garage looking at your dad, <laughs> right? It's very different. It's a little weird, right? Little, you can hear it in your throat a little bit. A little nerve-wracking. Uh, yeah, it's a little nerve-wracking, right? You don't know who out there in the world might listen at some point in time and so forth and so on. You know, folks, if we were doing a video, I'm making my son blush. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody watching this, nobody live, and I'm making him blush. But hey, this... If you've heard me talk about this in the past, folks, if you're listening to this podcast and any of the young men uh, that join me in this podcast, they all say, man, this is weird. Like when, when you th sit down at first and you think, hey, it's just talking. I'm just going to be talking. It, it's very different. Well, let's unpack a little bit and maybe calm you down a little bit. Unpack a little bit what, what you read there in Genesis chapter 2, 15 through 25. Wouldn't it be great? If the Lord would just put you asleep and give you a wife when you wake up. Oh, that'd be amazing. I wish. I wish. That'd be, that'd be amazing. That, that's cheating. <laughs> I mean, 
Adam didn't have to go to work and try to talk to some of the women there. Adam didn't have to go out in some kind of a social environment to find a woman there. Adam didn't have to try to work in the congregation. And, you know, even within the congregation, right, there's challenges. There, there may be the, the single faith. There may be the unity of faith. And there might be good godly morals. But there has to be things like physical attraction, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. mean, that's kind of important, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, Solomon in Ecclesiastes 9 said in verse 9, Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun, and the days of thy vanity, for this is thy portion of this life, and thy labor which thou takest on the sun. So there's two things in a marital relationship. Obviously, you read in Genesis 2 about the helpmeet side, mm-hmm. right? But I like to give you know this little uh, illustration uh, I'm sure if you think about it, you'll be able to remember it because I know I've given it to you as well as all the other young men. So let's say you find one of these hot honeys, right? <laughs> and and she, she's just gorgeous as can be. Why is it important that there's more to it than she's as gorgeous as it can be? Well, of course, in a relationship, there's the the sexual side that you have to please one another. But there's still 24 hours in a day. And you still have to be able to talk to that person. And if they don't have the same um, beliefs as you, it's going to be a lot harder to actually have that personal relationship. And what happens, how quickly can the physical side come to an end? Well, like the analogy you gave us, you could be on the way home from the wedding. Car wreck can happen. You should be a paraplegic and changing diapers for the rest of her life, and you guys just got married. Right? Yep. How important is it that you can carry her into uh, your living room and enjoy being with her the rest of the days of your life if the only time you see her without her clothes on is to care for her? It's very important. It's like, that's hard finding that balance. It's very difficult. That challenge, and and think about this, Um, we'll talk more about Solomon as we go through this podcast a little bit, but Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7.28, which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not. One man among a thousand have I found. So he's looking for the faithful, right? Mm -hmm. One among a thousand. But a woman among all those have I not found. (laughs) Whoa, right? Huge. Right? That, that's a huge statement. And of course, we know that evil men and seducers wax worse and worse, 2 Timothy 3.13. And that's what Paul told Timothy in the first century. John in 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. So what about those challenges? What happens if you find the wrong woman? There are a lot of different passages that you go with that. Proverbs is like the number one spot to go for that. So let me, I'll go over and go over a couple. So first we'll go over um, Proverbs 12.4. So this is the difference between a virtuous woman and a non-virtuous woman. So a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is rottenness in his bones. And also we can look over at Proverbs 19.13.
A foolish son is the calamity of his father, and contentious of a wife are a continual dropping. And then we'll also look over Proverbs 27, 15 through 16. A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whosoever hideth her hideth the wind and the anointment of his right hand, which berayeth itself. Yikes. Yeah. What about finding the wrong woman? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's better not even to get married at that point. Right. Proverbs 21, 9 and 25, 24 kind of say the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. <laughs> Who wants to go live on the roof? Uh, anyone in their right mind, I don't think they would want to do that. <laughs> right. Like, hey, I can't stand being around this woman. All she wants to do is fight and bicker and argue and I'm jetting. Oh, yeah. I'm getting out of here. Be terrible, right? I, I can't even imagine that. Right? So finding a godly woman has some safety net to it. Because when we look at somebody who's living according to the pattern of the scriptures, right? They've made a commitment to Lord first, seeking first him, the things that are above, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, in the kingdom. So not only do you have the husband-wife commitment, but you have the brother and sister in Christ commitment. But hey... We've experienced this in our family, right? Mm -hmm. Is that still a sure thing? No. Sadly, it's nothing is guaranteed in this life, not even someone's uh, faith. Right. And, and then the consequences of, and, and this is where you said it's better just to remain single. Here's where the consequences are scary. What happens, like we've experienced in our family, unfortunately, uh, with uh, your brother and his wife, um, don't want to go down this road too yeah. much, but um, heartbreaking, the end result of all that. But uh, to kind of put a scripture to the point that I want to make to get my mind off of where, the road I just started <laughs> down, right? So go back to the Bible, Brian, to get, get off of talking about some sad stuff. Uh, <clears throat> as if this subject is glowingly happy anyway already. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> the way we're going down this road. So in Matthew 19... The Pharisees, they come to Jesus, and as they regularly did, part of their question is tempting him. And they say unto him, It is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read? He which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, wherefore there are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God had joined together, let not man put asunder. They said unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? So they appeal back to the law of Moses, which they like to do because they didn't want to leave it uh, anyway. And they, they kind of put this question to Jesus again. Just a reminder, their motives aren't just. They're, they're not looking uh, for the, the right things. So uh, Jesus says, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered, meaning allowed, you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Just kind of a side point. Um, when you're studying the Bible, and you look at the Old Testament, how, how different is that standard? You know, in times past, what? God winked at. God winked at their ignorance, right? Acts 17.30, Paul taught that uh, in Mars Hill on Athens. In, oh, wait. in Athens, on Mars Hill. Reverse those real <laughs> quick. Uh, put them back in their proper place. So God winked at their ignorance in times past. Side point aside, come back to this text. Jesus says, And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. 
And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. Now notice how his disciples understood this. You know, I don't know why a lot of people today don't understand this. Don't understand that there is only one scriptural cause for putting away your spouse, and that is unlawful sexual intercourse. That's mm-hmm. what the Greek word pornea means, right? Uh, but people don't miss this. If it's we've grown apart, if it's I don't like her cooking, if it's she likes different television shows, if it's, you know, her body isn't the way it was when we first got married or any of that nature, that's not a scriptural cause to end a marriage. So his disciples saying to him, if the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. This is what we're talking about, isn't it? Yep. Right? And it's also very sad how nowadays marriage isn't even like a commitment anymore. People just look at it as like the second level of dating now. Right? That's terrible. I know you've told me this multiple times. You meet a young lady. She's 20, 21 years old. What What are you finding? That they're already married once or twice. They have a few kids. I'm like, how? Right? When Father's Day is a round trip. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Got to take this kid to see this daddy and this kid to see that dad. I mean, what would that do to a marriage? It would break it apart. Like any any man would not like how that would go. Like I know I would, I I wouldn't be able to do that. So Jesus, he said to them, all men cannot receive the saying that is their saying. It's not good to marry. Okay. Um, and, and when Paul writes first Corinthians chapter seven, there's 40 verses there and he gives good counsel there as well as the commandments of the Lord. And in that, if a man cannot contain, if he's burning in lust, it's better for him to marry, right? That's the physical side. But hey, listen, folks, right? Here's the other side of that. You marry her for the physical side and she's trash for whatever reason, right? And she's that woman that you're going up on the rooftop trying to drink a cup of coffee and get away. And then she comes outside, Trey, where are you? (laughs) (laughs) Let Let me get out of this situation. Uh, So he says, there are some eunuchs which were born so from their mother's womb. There are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men. Now here's his point. And there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He's able to receive it, let him receive it. We have a brother in the congregation, I'll not not name him, but uh, his wife left him young in age and he has spent many years uh, without a wife. Uh, and another brother whose wife just said, hey, you know what? I'm moving away. I'm, I'm going away. So we have two men, older men in the congregation that show us what it's like to be a eunuch. For you personally, where are you right now today? Not saying a year from now or five years from now, but right now, where are you today? Would you rather have never experienced marriage or have experienced it and lost it? Never experienced it. I've gotten some counsel from other brethren that... Um have wives that are not in the faith and they have given me a lot of, at least one of them has given me a lot of counsel on how important it is to find the correct woman. You hear that folks? He didn't just say his dad, right? Yeah. We have brethren here that talk to each other. It's wonderful. You know, it's just wonderful. And, uh, he, you heard a young man just say, I'm listening to that counsel. He hasn't always done that, Mm -mm. but he has learned it's better to take good counsel and to learn from it. Certainly lights my face up to hear him say that uh, and to see that he is listening. Well, it, it, it's not all bad though, right? If you find the right woman and and listen, what if you found a non-Christian woman, but she had morals and would consider looking into the gospel? 
I mean, that wouldn't be the most ideal situation, but if that were to happen, it would be a lot better than what I have dealt with so far, which is I try to talk to them about the gospel and they just don't care at all. Yeah, you had a long relationship with a young lady. And it was about a year, right? No, it's like three months. <laughs> no, no, no. It was longer than that. Uh, I don't think so. I'm, I'm talking about the one that lived not too far from here. It was like three, four months, yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> here, here I am. Dad moment. <laughs> Let me tell you this, folks. It was long for Katrina and I. <laughs> because we were going, oh, no. Oh, Trey, no. <laughs> but without specifics, yeah, yeah. What, ended up, what ended up bringing the end of that? What seemed to me to be a very long relationship? <laughs> it was actually the gospel that divided us. All right. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's a hard moment, you know, especially when you think there may be a future. But this is important. Solomon said in Proverbs 14, 1, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. We're talking about a house here, not looking at the physical structure, Mm -hmm. but the household. Uh, When you think of a godly woman, somebody that's going to help you build the household, right? I I know, you know, if it wasn't for your mother... uh, boy oh yeah all the cheesy stuff he said about her and i've heard i'm sure if you've listened to the past podcast you hear the cheesy stuff he talks about but if i could find any woman even remotely close to what she is i would i would be more than happy finding the right woman to build the household it's it's something right the virtuous woman (laughs) the virtuous woman hit us up with that buddy all right so proverbs 31 we're going to a little bit of a lengthy reading. If you hear crackling in my voice, I am nervous, so <laughs> just bear with me here. So Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She ariseth also... While is yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and portion to her maidens. She considereth the field, and buyeth it <clears throat> with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. She girdeth up her loins with strength, and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good, her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the staff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth, forth her hands, to the needy, she is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings and tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise in her gates. So, boy, there's a lot here, isn't there? The price is far above rubies. That is, to give people like that analogy of how precious that woman is is ridiculous yes 
And this is coming from the guy that says he's not found a woman in Ecclesiastes 7.28 that we read. One mm-hmm. man among, among, among a thousand. But he hadn't found that woman. I, I do want to talk about Solomon here in a little bit. Uh, but but not right at this moment. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that point. But just kind of unpacking this, the heart of her husband does safely trust her. You know, we talk about the word faithful. The word faithful means dependable, in part, part of the definition of faithful, right? Not just faithful to the marriage in the sense of only being with one partner, one spouse, but faithful in your duties. To be able to trust that, you know, I've seen things in life uh, where a man works, works, works. His wife is at home taking care of the children, and she decides to go on a spending spree. What's that do to the home? Tears it down. Right? The man might say, she's faithful to me. But in that moment, while that's not fornication, you're depending on her to be a builder of the household. Back to that point I was making out of Proverbs 14.1. Well, if I can't pay the electric bill because my wife has decided she wants a name brand gear or whatever the case may be, right? That, that's going to destroy our home, especially if you've entrusted her uh, to do some shopping and, and different mm. things. If she decides, you know what, I'm going to put me first. Like a tor- type of rebellion kind of a little bit. Yeah, and I, I've seen that happen in the <clears throat> past. And it's really unfortunate, especially when you're dealing with Christians, because... One of the benefits of marrying a godly Christian woman is that she's not caught up in the things of the world, right? She doesn't need the expensive things. You know, man, if I take, if your mom and I go to the mall, grocery, or go to the mall grocery shopping, <laughs> <laughs> maybe some malls you can buy groceries at. Well, yeah, you could go to Target at, uh, what's that mall down there? Um, uh, where, where Costco is, it's called. Uh, not, not Sunland, oh man, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, we're both drawing blanks here. Um, <laughs> who knows? All right, it's it's on I ten. Uh, man, it's right on the tip of my tongue. All right, well, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Not germane to the study, right? But if if I take your mom to any of the malls here in El Paso and we walk around, how how much do I have to be concerned about her breaking the bank? I feel like she's less concerned than more more concerned than you are, <laughs> right? Right? Like I want to buy her something, and yeah. she's like, no, 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 get them. I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need it. I'm good. I've got plenty, right? That's the kind of woman you want, mm-hmm. right? That, that's not sitting there with this long wish list of things, you know, uh, where if I ask your mom, hey, what do you want to do today? Uh, let's spend some time together. Well, what's she generally going to say? Uh, let's sit in the living room and watch shows together. <laughs> yeah, right? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, in First Peter chapter 3, um, I'm going to talk about seven verses here. First seven verses it says, likewise, ye wives, be in subjections to your own husbands. And, and I just want to stop here for a moment. And a good godly marriage, this doesn't even have to be a discussion, right? What's a godly wife recognize right from Genesis chapter two, that God designed her to be submissive, submissive, to be the helpmeet, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you read Genesis chapter three, it, it even becomes a greater qualifier because Eve was in the transgression. If you go and you read 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 15, that has to do with authority. The wife is in subjection. The woman to the man, period, in general, mm-hmm. right? So uh, here this woman that uh, Peter is talking about is one that is married to a non-Christian. And he says, If any obey not the word, that they also may be without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives." while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning 
Let it not be that outward adorning of the plating of the hair, the wearing of gold, the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Now, I just want to stop here. I mean, of course, and when you read 1 Corinthians 7, you see, you know, the married woman cares for the things of the world, how that she may please her husband and vice versa. But the woman who is not caught up in the physical, you're walking down that mall or, or as it would be today, um, buying something online or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, the godly woman whose conduct comes from the inside, not from the outside, isn't going to break the bank in the marriage, right? A virtuous woman is going to look to do what to please her husband. Right. And what's good for the household, mm-hmm. because that's what we were reading in Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Uh, so after that, it says, for after this manner, the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, in our current society, a lot of women hear that. Call your husband Lord. Do this, do that. What's the first thing, you know, they're... they're... Yep. But the next verse answers that. Right. And, and, and before we get that, before we get to that, before we get to the verse seven, a, this is where the godly woman is the advantage because you don't have to have this discussion. She recognizes her place in life and that it's it's not some type of, of degrading... Uh, dismissive thing, right? There has to be an order of authority. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 through 16, it's talking about how a woman's hair is given to her for a covering, but the context is that the head of every man is Christ, the head of Christ is God, the head of woman is man, mm-hmm. right? That That's the context of that, that, that the headship over the woman is the man. We're all in subjection. We're all in subjection to God. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're servants of Christ. When you recognize that, it doesn't become a power struggle. It's just like at work. You know, you, you work at a certain manufacturing plant. We'll just leave it uh, vague or mm-hmm. distribution plant, right? And is there a hierarchy of authority? Yes. What if everybody was promoted to the same level of merit manager? It would be a disaster. Right. And that would be a nice way to put it. <laughs> and the church, there's there's... <clears throat> The Lord is the head of the church, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. When there are qualified elders, according to 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7 and Titus 1, 5 through 9, they're the overseers of the flock that's among them, 1 Peter 5, uh, 1 through 4. And, and you have this hierarchy of leadership, Jesus, elders. You have those that teach that have authority only in the realm of teaching, Titus 2, 1 and 15. Uh, but if everybody were elders and all the decisions were just left out there, you know, it would be, it would be chaos, right? Not, not everybody can be the head. You need to have authority to have a structure. You need to have authority. So in a godly marriage, this is the advantage. If you're, you're out there and you're unmarried, male or female, here is the advantage of a godly marriage is the roles are prescribed in the Word of God. It's not about what the man wants. It's not about what the woman wants. And a godly man, verse 7, which Trey was alluding to, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And that doesn't mean like she's degraded in Mm -hmm. some way, right? It's like she's precious. Like if you have a china cabinet with precious china, right? She's the precious china. 
as being heirs together. Oh, look at that, that union there. Heirs together, the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. When that balance is in place, then things line up, right? I mean, I've been married for 28 years. You've been around for 23 of that. You haven't recognized everything in the marriage. Mm -hmm. But do I have to pull the I'm the head of this household card? I have never heard you say that. And it's me seeing your marriages, I feel like what puts my standards so high. Because you both literally trip over each other trying to do stuff for each other. And that's whenever I see that, I'm like, if I don't get that, I don't want anything less than that, which is very hard in this present time right now. I'm sorry, man, because I, I won the quote unquote lottery. Yeah, you did. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I would like to say that I had full wisdom and understanding and knowledge when I chose your mother. Now, I will tell you, I definitely knew she was different. Uh, and and but, but I don't have the knowledge you have yeah. going into uh, that decision making process. And I, I didn't see a good marriage growing up. I mean, I grew up in a single parent household and for the majority of my childhood, then for the last few years as a teenager, I lived in a household where, you know, the, the, my stepmother was married once, but my father was married five times. Um, I think to four different women, if I remember the way that all went down correctly, because he married my mother twice, and I think he had a marriage in between there, if I remember correctly. Uh, so I've just seen chaos. Mm -hmm. I've not seen, I've not seen the union the way the, the Lord had prescribed, um, and and uh, in the household where I did see marriage, because my mother did get married, you know, uh, I think one time she had live-in boyfriends, but she got married one time, and 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 then in my father's marriage. What I saw was people people that saw them in public, they act one way. Mm -hmm. But when they got home, they acted a different way. It, it wasn't always lined up. So I didn't really have a pattern. Uh, I didn't, I'm not, look, I didn't shoot for the stars like you are. Yeah. Uh, you, you might have to lower that standard. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not my doing. That's, that's, that's my wife. Uh, so when we look at the Bible and we see the way that that works, it's wonderful. It's beautiful, right? Um, in Titus 2, 3 through 5, uh, the older women here are instructed that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So among the things that are said here, keepers at home, how important is that to you, keepers at home? very important like if you don't like we're going over that structure again like you have to work together to keep that structure and boy when there's not that together work it's broken down quite considerably and the home isn't the way that it should be so when when, when you look into the future and i know you've you've uh, gone back and forth on wanting to have children uh, yeah right and, and it's we'll a whole see. other discussion right that's a whole other discussion <laughs> right all kinds of challenges scary things that are involved with having children uh in this modern age all the illnesses the spiritual concerns and everything else but let's just for the moment of discussion say you find that virtuous woman and you're going to have uh children what's more important to you to have two incomes no it's be way more important to have 
because a lot of people they have their kids now raised by daycares or like a nanny or something like that and that's whenever the home isn't connected how it should be that kid will be more connected to that daycare or that nanny than their own parents and they won't even know their parents they'll see them at dinner time and then they'll be going to bed that's about it yeah that's that's the way i've always felt but i didn't have the wisdom uh that you did but but uh but i always wanted your your mom to to be at home with uh you three and and to teach you and to be the example for you and i would work as many jobs as necessary to make ends meet. And there's times where we had to go without. Mm-hmm. Did that ever change the home, the home where we were financially on the downside? Nope. As long as we were together, that's all that mattered. Oh, that's the beauty of, of a good, godly uh, home. And, and again, I credit a lot of that to your mother. But on the flip side, oh man, there's there's people in the Bible. Like, you, you know, an easy target would be Eve. I don't even want to go there. No. I want, to talk about this, I want to talk about this woman, Jezebel. Oh, dear. <laughs> and First Kings 21, 25 says, There was none like unto Ahab. He was a king in Israel, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Notice this. Whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. What about that statement? Don't find yourself a Jezebel. Don't find a Jezebel. She, <laughs> she may be a fine honey. honey. <laughs> <laughs> You may sit there and look at her and say, wow, you know, she's a head turner and all these other things and could bring about all the excitement that goes on in a young man's mind and body. But man, you know, Solomon here, this, I said, I wanted to talk about Solomon. Solomon, he's, he has some wisdom in Proverbs chapter five. And, and, you know, there was a time past. You remember this? I told you I wanted you to read Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Proverbs 5, 1 through 13 says, My son, attend unto my wisdom. This is Solomon talking. We're going to talk about this a little bit. But sometimes people have the right words. Boy, when it comes to the actions, right? Oh, yeah. That's a big, big different. My son, big attend difference. unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge for the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil but her end is bitter as wormwood sharp as a two-edged sword her feet go down to death her steps take hold on hell lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life her ways are movable that thou canst not know them man sounds like Barry Sanders, when he played for the Detroit Lions, (laughs) hard to tackle. Can't find that dude. He's disappearing here and there, right? Verse 7, Hear now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ears to them that instructed me. Whose fault is it when you make the wrong choice when you have the right information? Big time yourself. Big time, right? It's the saying, run. Reap what you sow. Man, it's like, this ought to be on a t-shirt. Oh, yeah. It would be a long t-shirt. <laughs> right? You might have to order a, a triple large tunic and get it to hang all the way down to your feet and wrap all the way around. But man, just to think, you know you know what's interesting? Man, man, men cause harm. 
hey, you ladies out there that might be listening to this podcast, we're not trying to say men don't cause harm. But in a marriage, the woman is really the backbone. Oh, yeah. It's like, because that's she's the one at home, keeping the home, taking care of the kids while the man's out working. Yeah. And the scriptural um, example. Right? I, I mean, fathers, uh, for the most part, even I, I've... Uh, all of Trey's life, I've been preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. So Trey never experienced what my eldest did. I worked secular work uh, during the infancy and youth of my eldest son and and in part my daughter as well. Uh, And and there were times where I was working 14-hour days away from the home. Well, even though I work at home now, what's that like? You're still very busy, but yet you're still present, which is... What I always experienced, which I always had both of you here. Yeah. I mean, it's always nice to have both people here, but that can't always happen whenever the can't man always. has to actually go out and have to provide doing secular work. But even when I'm here, who's still the main? Oh, yeah. Right? If you need something, you go to her usually. Right? <laughs> so so this is the way it works. Uh, my, my kids grow up. Um, of course, Taylor is uh, – uh, medically mentally retarded so i'm not saying that as as a an offensive term that some people may take it as uh um, so discounting her but uh the way it is anytime the boys and taylor too had an injury or a need it's mom 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 right mm-hmm. what happens when you get a flat tire dad <laughs> <laughs> or, or you need financial counsel dad yeah right <laughs> but but the majority of the time it's it's mom mm-hmm. right it's mom uh both you and your brother uh on your way home from work or something else phone rings at a certain time it's not my phone ringing it's mama's phone ringing yep. right i want to talk to mom right i want to talk to mom and and you know there are some men that are mama's boys um neither one of you are mama's boys uh but you love your mother and, yeah. and you know she's dependable. She's the Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Ladies, if you're out there listening, if you, and, and this, this isn't something that's impossible. If you turn your, your life to God and pattern your life after the scriptures, you will be a virtuous woman. And your children and your husband will treasure you because you on earth, listening ladies, on earth are far more valuable than the most precious gems and metals that can be found. And we've read that in Proverbs 31. Mm-hmm. Uh, be that woman and you will be treasured and you will be loved, not for the beauty that you possess externally, but for the things that you provide from the inside, for the structure that you give to the home. Even if it's from the physical wheelchair, you can be a pillar. You can be the Statue of Liberty that is the monument of the home without the physical even needing to be under discussion. Well, on the flip side, you can be what Solomon was warned about. In Proverbs 6, and really, if you want to read, you know, read all three of these chapters, but I'm going to kind of break it up a little bit. In Proverbs 6, 20 through 26, My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Look at that. I mean, who again, in a good godly home, Who's laying down the law? Mom and dad, right? Mm-hmm. Mom and dad. And and by the way, they're laying down the law when you're godly from, from the scriptures. So it, it's not mom runs to, to dad and says, what do you want me to say? It's There's unity there. 
I know. I you're know. You're both already on the same page. You're on the same page, right? Um, I, I, people sometimes talk about children that play their mothers against their fathers or their fathers against their mothers. That can't happen in a godly home. The godly home is defended by God through the scriptures, right? So he says in verse 21, bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou wakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. It, look, this is the second time we've seen this, right? You can't even find out her ways, that whole Barry Sanders joke. Mm -hmm. Of course, if, if you're sitting there saying, who's Barry Sanders? Just YouTube, running back Barry Sanders and watch a video. That dude was a magician when it came to running a football. And I'm not a Detroit Lions fan. Verse 25, huge point. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. That's why the physical attraction may be part of it, but there has to be more depth. Why? Because for by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread and the adulteress will hunt for precious, precious life. And if you read all the way down through chapter seven, here's the end. Verse 27, her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Oh, man. Right, Trey just grabbed his chest. Now, <laughs> now, yo, Solomon. Solomon is wisdom. I mean, he's wise. He, he penman of the majority of the of the Proverbs. In First Kings chapter four, twenty nine through thirty four, this was miraculous intervention by God. It says God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country, all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, the Ethan, the Ezraite, and Heman, and Chalco, and Darda, the sons of Maoi, and his fame was all was in all nations round about. He spake three thousand proverbs, and his songs were a thousand and five. He spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even under the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He speaketh also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. We could have a whole podcast about the wisdom of Solomon, but what good is that that wisdom if it's not employed? And yeah, we saw how that turned out for him. How'd that turn out? All the women turned away his heart. Mm, mm. Now listen, I want to connect some points here. When you read the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is looking for the wisdom of things. It's really a depressing book because... The, the conclusion of the matter is life on earth is vanity and fear God and keep his commandments is the whole duty of man. Solomon was looking for carnal pleasure. Now listen, a, a, in a godly sense, that's not imp impossible to find. We can, we can seek good days and have a good life, whether you're in a marriage uh, or not. Uh, but to seek after something so hard and to disregard your own wisdom Trey says Solomon, he, he, his wives turned away his heart, right? In 1 Kings 11, Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonites, Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said to the children of Israel, you shall not go in unto them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely that they will turn away your heart after their gods. You know, back in Deuteronomy chapter 7, God wanted them to go in the land that's promised to them and wipe out everybody mm -hmm. for this very reason. <clears throat> They're going to turn away your hearts. Solomon knew that. 
Solomon had wisdom greater than all the men of the earth. So, so this podcast or, or all the reading of, of the scriptures, it does no good if you don't use it. He himself says a woman will turn him into bread, and he turned into that bread. So Solomon clave unto these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. So there goes the joint air point of 1 Peter 3, 7. As was the heart of David his father. Solomon went after Asheroth, the goddess of the Zidonites, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build an high place for Chemish, the, the abomination of Moab, and the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the children of Ammon. Likewise did he for his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon." Because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which he had appeared unto him twice, and he commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son, albeit... I will not rent it away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son David, my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. So this goes back all the way to Genesis 50, and uh, you see the fulfillment of it. And Hebrews 7 and verse 14, God had promised that the Messiah would come through the tribe of, of Judah, mm-hmm. and that is the tribe from which David came. So God t- took the rest of the kingdom. The kingdom is divided <laughs> after this. Jeroboam and Rehoboam, the kingdom is divided. Jeroboam takes... Ten of the twelve tribes, Rehoboam has part of Benjamin and Judah. So God kept his his promise, right? But that's to bring Christ in the world. But other than that, you can see how wroth God was with Solomon. But listen, he knew better. Yep. Right? He knew better. He had all the wisdom, but he didn't execute it. Solomon just looking for pleasure and the satisfaction of the flesh. And that turned him away from the most important thing in this life because it affects the life to come. Turned him away from God, right? So that's where, man, you know, the carnal, right? When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he told them to enter not into temptation. Why? Because the lust of the flesh will overtake the the spirit, right? The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew 26, 41. The flesh and the spirit war against each mm-hmm. other, 1 Peter 2 and verse 11. We can see that in Solomon, that all the information that could have been near uh, available at that time, Solomon possessed it. The penman of mm-hmm. the majority of the book <clears throat> yep. of Proverbs. And when you read Song of Solomon, you know, that, that's a book you don't read to your children before bed because, you know, there it's definitely pornographic in nature. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Solomon, he wanted the honeys. (laughs) And he thought, here comes all the happiness that is there. And listen, the carnal is authorized. In Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. It's not wrong to say, I I want the carnal. Um, That's part of the marital relationship. But like we were talking about earlier, if that's what... You're hinging everything on, 
that can come and go as quickly as a car accident. Our end goal for every Christian is supposed to be heaven. And if there is something that will block the way, we have to be, make sure we're able to overcome that thing. Like, even though my number one carnal goal in life is to get married and have a family. If I can't find that right woman to be with that could possibly turn away my heart, it's better not to even get married at all. Yeah, and I'll give you all a little insight here on Trey. Um, boy was on the prowl for a few years there, looking and looking and looking and dating girls and dating girls and found some honeys out there. They were very short, very quick. Uh, and here lately, uh, he's toned down quite a bit. Um, to, to me, it's like I don't want him to get too discouraged. Hey, you young ladies out there listening, I got an available young man here. I, I, I can tell you. He's learned a lot in life. He's lived on his own, and um, you know he's had to overcome some challenges. But uh, you know he—I didn't give him anything to say in this podcast. We we didn't prepare uh, any way, uh, shape, or form uh, from it. So that's the kind of guy that you'd be getting. Uh, I want to come back to a point and, and kind of combine some things that we've talked about. Um, we talked about the virtuous woman and her building the house. Okay. But there has to be a balance, right? Mm -hmm. What if she is entirely focused on pleasing her husband, but not on the Lord? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, well I mean... Because it's, it's that balance is... If you go from the scriptures, that balance is going to be easy. If you follow those instructions, it's going to be so easy. But if you just focus on one side and not even pay attention to the other, it's just going to throw off the balance of the household completely. Right. And it's like she could be the best cook, the best housekeeper. Uh, she could be awesome in the physical side of the relationship. But if the Lord is like number 255,000 on her list of importance. Because mm -hmm. that that's your partner. That's your best friend. You want to. I know marriage isn't in heaven, but you still want that person to be in heaven with you. Right. Join heirs. Yes. Uh, and Luke 10, unrelated to marriage. Uh, 38 through 42, it came to pass as they went, Jesus and his disciples, that is, he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has blessed me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful, and what that means is anxious, and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken from her. How important is it that Mary chooses that good part? Because that's what she needed more, to, to focus on more than providing something for someone that, like, like Jesus that came to their house. Mm -hmm. It's like she actually wanted that knowledge. She wanted to listen to Jesus but Martha was worried about trying to serve things. She wasn't worried about that spiritual side of things. So in your lifetime, and you mentioned earlier that you're looking for a woman that, that would be similar to your mother. And, and listen, uh, you know, you should never compare other people to other people, right? Second yeah. Corinthians 10, 12. Uh, but you do have an idea in mind. But, but listen, that idea that you see is because she lives according to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that pattern, um, when when you're growing up and you were a child and, and so forth and so on, how much did she neglect around the house? Nothing. 
she she went above and beyond like every day like she knew everything that was going on there she was there for us helping you out stuff like that but then there's no way she could study the bible well no she still set time aside for that still she still does every day every day huh right not as a preacher's wife Mm -mm. no so it's possible that you can find that person who is martha and mary that cares about the things of the house but understands the spiritual things are of importance too, that she needs to feed her soul, mm-hmm. not just her family, right? Uh, and, and puts that into a responsibility that she has towards God. Now, I, I want to use an unrelated, this has nothing to do with marriage. <clears throat> Excuse me. Nothing to do with marriage. But I want to come back to the friendship side, all right? Because... All, all the young men that I've taught for a great number of years, I've used that same example that Trey mentioned earlier. You get married, you found that hot honey. You cannot wait to get into the marriage bed. And you're as excited as can be and smash. And in El Paso, that's not a hard thing to imagine. Mm. There's crashes all over the place, like bumper cars on the streets around here sometimes, right? <laughs> Man. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, and uh, here this terrible thing happens. And, you know, m- maybe she's in the hospital for an extended period of time. If you're going to say, oh, no, this is what not what I signed up for. That is the last thing you want to say. Right? And, and modern day, this doesn't come from the Bible, um, but a modern day tradition in America is in, in sickness and in health. Till death do us part. But a lot of people don't mean that, do they? Nope, they say it, but <clears throat> they don't mean it at all. Right? So, uh, unrelated to marriage, I want to talk about friendship that is very close. And I'm going to talk about two men, and they're not gay. First <laughs> Samuel 20 and verse 17 says, Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. This is uh, Jonathan, Saul's son. Saul wanted to kill David, but Jonathan, Saul's son, loved David, and he kept David safe. He kept him away from his father. He had to, he had to play this, this narrow line here you know, between closest of friend and father. When you get to 2 Samuel, and Jonathan and Saul are dead, David says, I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan, very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful. Passing the love of women. So I bring this up for this reason. What if you could find that woman that is the physical, but also the friend, your best friend? That sounds unrealistic, but at the same time, it would be amazing. Because I see that you and mom have that, but I don't know. It's just, I feel like that'd be very hard to find right now in this day and age, but... Not impossible. Yeah, I remember when your mother and I first got married, and I had some friends, and they would say, hey, when are we going to hang out and have a, a guy's night? I'm like, yeah, I want to bring my wife. Mm-hmm. No, man. <clears throat> I'm like, I can't imagine doing anything without her, right? And that's not changed for me in 28 years. I can't, I don't want to go to the ball game without her. I, and matter of fact, 
it, she's more fun to have at the ball game. I used to get more excited <laughs> when, when the football team's losing. Now, now, now Katrina, <laughs> she gets lit, right? Dak, what are you doing? <laughs> she takes the cake now. <laughs> yeah, she takes the cake. Um, <clears throat> so finding that friendship, you know, folks, when you're looking at having a good marriage, find that friendship there. And listen, if you don't have that good marriage, say you've been married for X amount of years, it's time to bring your spouse into the Bible. And say, this is what we need to have. And once you have that, it will be the best thing on earth. You want that person that whenever the power is out and you only have his candles and a couch to sit on, they can just talk and have a good time. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's all you should need, right? And, you know, there have been plenty of times in, in our family's time, especially me preaching the gospel where, you know, preach the truth and be put out on my rear and we have no money, nothing. Mm-hmm moving to a new place, have nobody, and preaching the gospel uh, to people that don't want to hear it and people sitting in the pews aren't too happy, I got to come home to my wife. Mm -hmm. And those moments where I felt alone with no one else except for God, I wasn't. I had my coworker. Mm -hmm. I had my fellow companion. I had my sister in Christ who happened to be my best friend, who is my wife. And when you look at the scriptures, that's what you want. Uh, you, you, and, and you can come back and tell your spouse, let's go to the Bible. Let's find this relationship. Let's have it. Let's, if it's not been there, let's get it there. It's not too late to change it. When you pattern life after the Bible, you know, I, I want to I read something. In Ephesians chapter 5, Jesus here is going to talk about himself and the church because the church is his bride. And But there's... Um, marital uh, points being made here too. In Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject un- un- unto Christ, so let their wives be in their own husbands and everything. Now, let me just stop here. This is where a lot of women are like, oh, no, I don't want that. Well, listen to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. It's not hard to follow the lead of somebody that loves you enough to give themselves for you, mm-hmm. right? And and when you, when a man looks at Jesus as the head of the church, as the pattern to look after himself as a leader in the home, Jesus doesn't make these burdensome rules, 1 John 5, 2, and 3. You know, as I've been married to your mom, her health has declined, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are things she's not physically able to do. What do I do with that? try to do them for her before she can even try to get to them. Right, because, you know, even though she can't do them, she's She's going to try, try, right? She's going to try because she doesn't want to disappoint her husband, right? But I know I get up earlier. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm on it, right? And and I'm not sitting there saying, these are things that my wife should be doing. These are things that you want to do for her. Yes. So she doesn't have to. Yes. Jesus said, I want to go to the cross for you. I want to die so that you can have life. That's the head of the household, right? He's not saying, hold on, wait a minute. I'm the head of the household. Let me send somebody else. Mm-mm. Let me do the heavy lifting here. Yes, you still have responsibilities, but I'll do the hard part, right? Mm-hmm. says that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. I mean, there's the standard. Yep. 
He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for so, no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth in charity, even as the Lord the church, for we are members of his body and of his flesh and his bones. If you, the two become one flesh. So when your wife can't do something, you want to do it for her. Whenever she can't do that one thing, you're the part of the body that does step up and do it. Now, on the other end of the coin, the right woman doesn't say, I'll just let it, let it go until my husband does it, right? Nope. There's the balance. Mm -hmm. There's the balance, right? For this cause shall man leave his father and mother, should be joined unto his wife, and they too be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and his church. Not, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. There's your balance right? That's the wrap. That's the balance. When you have those things in place, then everything works accordingly and the marriage is happy. Literally, it's like if you follow the standard, that's, that's, that's all you need. That's it. Let me ask you a question. One thing I dealt with as a teacher many times over the years and uh, <clears throat> put you on the spot here uh, with this question, but a lot of times uh, women or men may say, my children are first. I love my children. Which way is it in a scriptural marriage? Well, it's your spouse. It's your first. spouse, right? As a child who has experienced that relationship, is that bad for you or good for you? Good. I mean, it's... I guess I, it's a kind of like I had like a cheat code in life, I guess, with having you two as parents because you followed this instruction a hundred percent. And I actually saw what an actual godly household is that lives by the scriptures. So it's kind of like I had the cheat code in life, which is why my standards are so high. I feel. Yeah. So a little bit, a little bit here before we wrap up. Um, let's say somebody doesn't measure up to those standards. What should they do? Try their best to improve. Right. And when we're talking about measuring people by people, somebody, some women may look at the uh, virtuous woman, Proverbs 31, and say, I can't do that. Well, in the Bible, there are lessons like the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, 14 through 30, where our Lord said, you know, he gave to every man according to their several ability. Excuse me, you as a man, do you recognize that Maybe there would be a, a woman who would be a great wife, mm -hmm. but she doesn't have the physical capabilities of Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Oh, yeah. That's like, man, I can, you can't, I know you can't measure people by people, but it's more like, I don't know if the right word is effort, but. Right. Yeah. So put it forth. Some women see the, the, the virtuous woman and they just give up. They just say, I can't be that. So, like, I, one quote that I just remember from a discussion I had with a woman, she said, I need my sleep. <laughs> and it sounds like that woman doesn't ever sleep. Okay, you need your sleep. But what, what are you doing when you're awake? Mm -hmm. Like, even like even if you feel like you're a woman, you can't meet those standards. Like me, I had the counsel of one of my brothers about marriage. You also have women of the congregation that can give you the counsel on how to improve to be like that virtuous woman. As you are able. As you're able. Right? Mm -hmm. And as a good man, what do you do in areas where your wife is not able? You help in those areas. You help. And and you compensate as much as you mm -hmm. can. Same thing in the local church, right? Not everybody is a five-talent person, but you work together. 
right? Same thing in a marriage. So, man, as we come near the end of the podcast here, you got any other thoughts you'd like to share? No, I think that's about it, man. Yeah. Well, folks, hope this has been a beneficial uh, listen for you. It's kind of cool sitting here talking to my son in this podcast. Definitely is enjoyable. I've enjoyed having all the brethren uh, that have joined me so far. We've got some other brothers that are going to be coming up in months to come too, and those are going to be great uh, podcasts. But uh, this one's a little, little I- I'll say I'll, I have a little favoritism here. <laughs> <laughs> have, having my baby boy. <laughs> here he is sitting with a full beard, and I'm calling him my baby boy. But, you know, after this podcast, we're going to go out and hit the basketball court and, and um, see, see what the old man can do. I, got, I think I got you today. Don't worry. You about think it. you got me? Have you ever you. had me? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't played in a year. Yep. <laughs> Who knows? And after sitting here for an hour and four minutes and thirty some seconds, as of right now, I got to tell you, I'm feeling really old. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for listening. Um, if you have questions, give me a call, 915-525-5794, or you can email me, brian at wordsoftruth.net. Visit the website, wordsoftruth.net, but I'd, I'd much rather talk to you, whether it be about this or some other things, and uh, maybe be helped through the scriptures, but I do thank you for listening. Until next time.